This is the Worth the Squeeze podcast. My name is Sarah, and I'm the owner of the Juice Goddess Super Soul Superfoods Cafe. In my years of bartending, juice tending, management, teaching, and professional artistry, I have experienced that connection is what people crave, especially in the midst of hardship. It is this craving that drives the passion of this podcast. It is to uncover the aspects of life in the business world, within families and relationships, personal health and wellness endeavors, and of living life in general, where we can celebrate the late nights, the uncomfortable growth, and the what the fuck moments, all to truly embrace and understand what truly is worth the squeeze. Today is Soraya Elsmore. She is a mother of four, entrepreneur, aerial artist, and adventure seeker. She moved to our little town of Pagosa Springs, Colorado, a decade ago in order to introduce her four children to a life of nature and community. She created SE School of Movement and is currently a partner in CrossFit Pagosa, which is now in its seventh year of business. She's played on the local roller derby team, which I love, and her nickname was Whiplash. She earned her commercial helicopter pilot license with instrument rating and is currently working on becoming a certified flight instructor, CFI. She has created and produced the local burlesque show that is now in its fourth year, which eventually led to her being accepted to perform at the Burlesque Fest in New Orleans. She's also a writer and has self-published two books available on Amazon. She loves to dance. She loves fitness, writing, learning, community, and most importantly, her kids. This is my friend, Soraya. Hey. Hi. <laughs> we were just talking before we started the video about how silly it feels to write a bio about yourself. It's actually very challenging for me <laughs> to write a bio. Um, Ultimately, I just think that it's because the bio is really talking about the things that we do, and it's not so much talking about the person that I am or the person that you are. And I almost don't want to commit myself to just the things that I'm doing more. I mean, I'd love to talk about being, you know, a spiritual being and whatever that is, but it's just really hard to define. So yeah, it was very challenging to write a bio for you. <laughs> yeah. You got some words from me. Yeah, so there you go. We did really good. So first of all, we met a couple of years ago when I moved to Pagosa, a mutual friend of ours, Trisha. Yes. Was like you, you need to hang from Ariel silks with her. You need to do this. You need to do that. And I'm like, okay, okay. And then I got connected to CrossFit and then through that, I got to meet you. And so I've gotten to swing a little bit on the silks and my kids have as well. Yeah. And they love it. And I think that's when I realized that, and this was quite a few years ago now, but that you really enjoy the opportunity to laugh and let go. Play. Play. Play is huge for me. I think that that is actually my ultimate motivation in life. I just want to play. I just want to have fun. I mean, what is the point of all this if we're not having a great time? Absolutely. And I know not all times are great, right. but there is some greatness in it all of, all of our times. And um, 
definitely with the aerial arts, I think that even though I created the school, it doesn't generate any money right. over aerial art because I always give it away. I right. always invite people to come and play with me. And I just feel like that is so much greater than anything, than any dollar value. And then what I get out of it is all these amazing playmates that end up performing with me later. So it works out really well. And it is so playful because I, I have to say, like, in front of people, if you've ever had an opportunity to get into, is it like a swing, like a... The silk or yeah. the hammock or... The silk, and when you turn it into where you can, like, swing out the hammock. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you can sit in it, and then you can get pushed on it, <laughs> like a swing, but yeah. it's higher up in the air, and... And it spins. And it spins. Yeah. And when you swing on a, like, a kid's swing, it makes that, like, <laughs> noise, and it's just not as graceful. Right. And so you can swing on the swing and, like, lay back and just... It is extend your arms yeah. and legs and be beautiful in the air. It's yeah. so much fun. And I, dance. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I'll embarrass my son by saying this, but Braxton is so it. good. And he's so good. He is and so he good. He loved it. He loved it to the point where he wanted to be in the burlesque show last year, but had hurt his knee, had his yeah. ACL. So I mean, he was like, oh, I'll swing him any day. He was a natural, and he's just so strong and athletic. He picked it up immediately and was able to climb up and do the wraps and hold himself upside down, and it was, yeah, it was really impressive. I thought that was really cool that all of my kids think it's a fun <laughs> thing. So it is fun. It's, it was a good way to get to know you and see how you are about things and that your encouragement was to have fun while moving and to laugh and to giggle again and to feel like a kid instead of you know 40 year old women <laughs> no. that you know we're not we're not that's an age exactly is that the last thing that I learned from you kind of right in the beginning that I really appreciated was the way that you hug oh yes with the heart so can you explain that because heart I heard like that's really important well um it was years ago, uh, I ran into a woman in a natural food store or something, and she just gave me some advice on some vitamins or something to take. I don't remember what it was, but I thanked her and I went to hug her and she was the first one to give me the heart to heart hug. And she physically moved my body to the other side and it just felt so weird. And then she embraced me and just held me really tight for just a few seconds. And it just felt so great. And then afterwards I asked her about it and she just explained, which makes sense, that if you hug on that side, then your hearts are connected. And this is just a really good way for humans to share a little bit of connection. I mean, you don't have to go home with the person after, but it feels great. And so I've been practicing that. And it is pretty weird when I go to give somebody a hug and kind of like juggle back and forth. Do the dance. Uh, do the dance. Sounds like you're going to kiss them or something. But um, I, I end up manhandling them and then pull them into me and I don't let go for a few seconds. And then what happens is I'll feel them melting just a little bit and then I let go. So that's, I, I just love doing that. <laughs> I'm kind of a, a bully hugger. <laughs> <laughs> this is how you're going to hug me. You're going to hug me the right way. Heart to heart. I mean, you're really your part. Well, I think that's neat because when I hug everybody else, the, the natural way to go is not towards the heart mm -hmm. at all. Like when I hug yeah. you, I, I know what I need to do. When I hug you, <laughs> I have touch you out. Yeah. And so I know which way we're going to go, but naturally 
it's automatically on the other side. And I think that is that, you know, protective layer that we put between most people. It could be. What's something that you've learned during the boredom right now? Well, I'll tell you a little bit more about that puzzle. So um, I have been, um, it's funny because I love to read, but in this time I haven't wanted to read because I don't want to fill my brain with other people's words. Weird as it is. I mean, there's lots of great books out there, (laughs) but um, I really wanted to just sit and be quiet. And so I did pull out a puzzle and I've completed one full puzzle now on the second one. Um, What I realized though, is by sitting and staring at these little puzzle pieces, at first it seems completely overwhelming because they're just random and they're all over the place. But if I give myself enough time to really look at each of these individual pieces, then the picture, the whole picture starts to reveal itself. And by taking a piece and placing it, it allows me to place another piece. So rather than looking at each piece and being overwhelmed and thinking, oh my God, I don't know what this piece goes. If I just relax and breathe and look at the colors and the different patterns that are revealing themselves to me, then it starts to make sense. And it's almost like you can only place one piece after you place the first piece. So it's just, it's just a matter of looking at life from that perspective of being able to just slow down enough to see all of the different facets of our world, of our lives, of our people, of love, our business, whatever it is we do, and to really start to appreciate each one and place them in a way where you know it's part of a bigger picture. And so it's not so overwhelming. And I think that ultimately when we can take our lives on in this way that we can move in maybe a slower fashion, a more deliberate fashion and we can appreciate all the little pieces that we're placing and every time I place a piece I'm always like yes I got a piece but that's just it when we can really celebrate the little happenings like the little things that make sense then it does create that bigger picture and we can come from a totally different perspective of appreciating what's happening around us rather than being so consumed and worried and overwhelmed so, I mean, that, that just came to me this morning just because I've been like staring at puzzle pieces, <laughs> but it just makes sense. It just seems like there's just so much and all of us have huge, busy plates. I mean, full of activities and schedules and ideas and we put so much pressure on ourselves to, to make it in this world and to be successful and whatever that is. But I think that this is actually a really true gift where we can just slow down a little bit and start to look at the pieces of our lives and see what's important. Some of those pieces aren't important. (laughs) Well, actually, in the box of the puzzle, they all are important, but (laughs) in the big picture. Uh, One of the reasons why I asked you to come on the podcast today is because of that outlook that you have on life. You do have this idea of living life to its fullest. And I think you learned that from a very special person in your life that is no longer with us on this earth in the way that normal people would say it, but she's still totally here on earth. Yes. So can you talk a little bit about Juliana and what she has taught you about living life to its fullest? Absolutely. Well, um, Going through her death, so as I don't know if you know this, but my daughter passed away a couple years ago. She was in a car accident, and um, we believe she fell asleep and drove off of a cliff. And um, she was 19 years old. And 
the whole experience was horrific. It was the worst thing I've ever gone through and my family included and all of our friends and our community, it really struck all of us really, really deeply. Um, what ended up happening because of this, obviously I felt like I had to question every part of my being, my existence, my purpose. Um, it really did bring up questions about what's the point and why are we here? Mm -hmm. And they were very hard to answer. And especially you know, going through grief in the first moment, it's like having a completely cluttered, muddy mind of emotion. And so many of these things just didn't make sense to me. But as time passed and um, I was able to write a lot about my experiences and the emotions I was going through, what I gathered from all of this is that we, first of all, we're not alone. And um, this world and the things that we see and everything that we experience right here, right now, it seems like it's so real. I mean, because we feel it, we touch it, we taste it. But there is a whole other life, there's a whole other world or realm, whatever you want to call it, that's happening at the same time. And that when we do leave our bodies, this, this is where we go. And this whole experience of having this other place or this connection or this communication, it has to do with the fact that we are all from this place. This is just us. So I don't want to sound like too weird here, yeah. but I think what helped me the most in dealing with the death was to find ways to connect and communicate with my daughter who had passed on. And it was amazing. I mean, right at the beginning, I was getting all kinds of really special signs and symbols. And um, because I write, I would also have messages just kind of pop into my mind and I'd write them down. And then later I would reread them. And it was almost as if my daughter was just speaking to me through these words. And so I felt really um, grateful and really close to these words. And they've really made a huge impact on my life. But that being said, um, I've also really wanted to dive into this and understand what is waiting for us all at the end of our lives. And it's just that we continue on. And I think mostly that is just so important to know because death isn't the end. It's just the end of our physical bodies. So that being said, um, there were just so many things about her life that were just beautiful. And she was just growing into this amazing person. She had been going to school and she was had all these great dreams about um, becoming a massage therapist and giving back to the community and sharing love and she was a, a beautiful musician and she wrote songs and she loved little kids and she played kids so she had all these great things that she would do but um, most importantly <laughs> I happened to find her bucket list which um, it was in her wrecked car and it was just in one of her purses that was in the car and I happened to find and open to this page, well, it was actually like three pages of this amazing list of all these things she wanted to do. And I think that ultimately it gave me a little bit of a sense of purpose. Like I, I found these words and these ideas and I just felt like they would be so much fun to accomplish in her honor. But it also helped me look at life a little bit from her perspective because here is this young person who just had this zest for life and she just wanted to live so much and do all these 
cool, crazy things. And I think at that time, I wasn't in that place, um, even before her death, but just other things happened in my life. And I was kind of feeling old and ragged and not so inspired. And I just felt like, again, what's the use of living <laughs> all these things. And then I lose her and it's like, everything shifts and I'm able to just really embrace the fact that we're only here for such a short time, just this temporary little bubble of time. And it's really up to me to see how I feel it. And I could just sit on my couch or I could go and do all these really cool, amazing things and have wonderful experiences and then write about it and share it with you. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I love that you've made the choice to take this and give it to other people and bring it into your life. Because honestly, if you did sit on the couch, nobody would blame you. Right. Nobody would be like, oh, you know, she needs to do something. They'd be like, oh, well, you know. She lost her daughter. She deserves to sit on the couch and mope. Nobody would question you, but you have chosen not to do that. And you've faced it pretty authentically. And you've allowed people to realize that we can celebrate somebody who's no longer with us instead of walk around on eggshells about it. We yeah. can celebrate that person, talk about it. Because if we don't talk about that grief, what happens? Oh, exactly. Um, you're 100% right. And I think that the best way to handle any situation that is challenging is to talk about it. I mean, maybe not to everyone. Maybe not at the grocery store. Maybe not at the grocery store. <laughs> yeah. and, and if you can't actually talk to a person about it, I mean, I found writing has helped. Um, because there is a point when you don't want to tell the story over and over and over. And I think that for me, the writing part was. Um, was so helpful because I could just put everything down, including all the emotions and the feelings, and I didn't have to relive them every time I told it. Yeah. But in a way, it was like taking it out of my body and putting it somewhere that was safe and that I could also share. And um, I mean, my only intention was to be able to just get it out. And I didn't really, it didn't really matter what happened with it later. But what I did find is that it was impacting other people and their stories because everyone has something horrible that they're going to go through. And I mean, now, I mean, look what's happening just where everyone has to stop their lives and really reevaluate. I mean, this is considered the same as a death. It's, it's a really challenging time for a lot of people. Yeah. I feel like you've released this a couple of different ways. You've done it in burlesque. Oh yeah. You have performed in her name. Yes. You've written Yes. You've talked about it. You are crossing things off the bucket list. Yeah, so you have taken that bucket list as a message from her to you saying, hey, mom, live a little. Definitely. Right? Yes. Let's, let's not hold back. Do the things that I couldn't do while physically on earth. Yeah. So what has been the one thing you've done so far on the list that has been the most exciting and fun and crazy? Oh, well, I can't say that. They haven't been too crazy. There are some crazy you ones. You haven't lived to homeless like, on the beach yet? Because that's, that's my awesome. favorite. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> well, she wants to start a bar fight and break a <laughs> bottle in someone's head and get arrested. I'm like, okay, I'll have to figure out how to do that. I'm sure I can do it. Um, I really enjoyed, uh, right after she died, one of my friends in, um, were in Puerto Rico, she invited 
um, she invited myself and uh, my daughter, Malaya, my youngest, to go and visit and to cross up a few things. And she had cliff diving and surfing. And so, you know, at first I felt like, oh my God, this is too soon. I can't just leave Pagosa and go to Puerto Rico, but it just made sense. And it was such a neat moment. Um, we hiked up to this cool cliff and there's like this beautiful uh, waterfall and this really, it's just a really pristine, beautiful area. And um, I hiked up with some ashes and jumped off. And then later we climbed up to the top of the cliff and Malaya and I had ashes in our hands and we threw them off into the wind and the ashes came right back into our face. <laughs> so I was like, that was just such a neat moment because I feel like she was right there playing with us and like, hey, that's I'm, right here. I'm right here. Then uh, the next day, um, Malaya actually paddled out and surfed and I wanted to, but I have this weird thing with my ears. I don't like getting water slammed in them. And because of the cliff diving, I had water in my ears. So I didn't surf, but she did. And they actually did a paddle out. So they went out and they released the mashes out in the ocean. Then we came back, they came back to shore and we stood on shore and we threw some ashes as well. And the wind was blowing out to sea, but the ashes blew into Malaya's face. <laughs> so she's like totally like a big sister. Right? I know, right? Like, she's oh, like, well, her mouth is open. Yeah. <laughs> she ate her sister. Yeah. Uh, but um, so that was a really special moment. And thank you, Katie, in case you happen to see this. Um, it was it was really special. Um, she want she wanted to paddleboard on the Mississippi, and I actually went out there recently with my paddleboard, and it was right after. Let's see, this last here I'm trying to think of there were some um big storms and there was a lot of water moving more than normal yeah. and I'm just out there like innocently with my board and like okay I'm gonna be able to get on the Mississippi and I ran into some people who were doing it they were newscasters and they were doing a segment on how full and fast the river was <laughs> and I just I asked the guy like hey do you know where I can launch my board and he, they just laughed at me and they're like, if you get on that board in the Mississippi, you're going to end up in the Gulf. And they're like, we're going to be writing a story about you. So I didn't do it because I was alone. Yeah. If I had somebody with me, I probably would have. But um, so that one still I have to check off. But no, there's a, a lot of fun things in there. I think the one that I'm most excited for is to kiss Hugh Jackman. Yes. <laughs> that's I mean, there. that's pretty amazing. <laughs> You're like, thank you, and then also uh, one of her one of her items was to make a movie and so I told you earlier it's something I've been working on um, and it's been submitted out there to quite a few different potentials so hopefully we'll get picked up and we'll have a, a cool movie about the bucket list so we'll see which is inspiring I yeah. think is for people to think about the things in life they really want to do and so whether they call it a bucket list or their goals or whatever I think a bucket list is fun yeah where goals are a little bit more like I want to make this Catch money the air, yeah. I want to have this house or this place mm -hmm. but the bucket list is where you put the things that you know are kind of outlandish like the bar fight yeah but you do it anyway because you're like it's kind of fun <laughs> just to see what happens I know and I think I mean I definitely feel like she left that list for you to find oh I I think so too and yeah, there's 94 in here 94 yeah yeah so 94 
fun, different things. And they're all just kind of, I mean, ride the world's largest roller coaster, have sex in a hospital gray style. (laughs) Okay. Set a fire and put it out. Meet a monkey. I could just do that one. Um, Go to Moulin Rouge. I know. Right. Uh, Go to Niagara Falls. And that one I can do ride a dog sled. And this one I do not want to do, but I will at the end shave my head. Is that going to be the last one? <laughs> that will be the last one. It's very much what a 19-year-old yeah. that's living their best life would be wanting. Exactly. And I think it's really neat for a, a mom to find that not at 19 years old and take on some of those things I know because it connects you to that fun yeah. childlike spirit instead of the to-do list yeah it's a fun thing exactly little exactly. You found you found a lot of other messages from her throughout time that have reminded you that she's she's here mm-hmm. and very present so um we had a really interesting thing happen and it's actually I wrote about this in the story um before my daughter passed away, I went with one of my best friends to Italy for her wedding. And during the wedding, uh, she would find American dimes. And it was just really cute and odd for me because I wasn't really connected to any of this, you know, other world stuff yet. Uh, but she'd find a dime and she'd say, oh, that's my grandma. And so in her world, every time she'd find an American dime, it just reminded her, her of her grandma. And she felt like her grandma was leaving her little messages. So I came home with that story and I told my daughters and we were all sitting together. I don't know what we were doing, but hanging out. And I just said, that is so cool, you know, to get messages from your loved ones and uh, like actual physical, tangible things. And then I told them, I said, screw dimes. I want diamonds. And like, you girls have to bring me diamonds. And then we all laughed about it. And we're like, okay, that's funny. Little did I know it was about a year and a half after that event that she passed away but two days after she passed away she brought me diamonds so I've been finding diamonds everywhere and it's just like the coolest thing I'll just find them in a pocket or I found them in my pants one day I was visiting some of her friends and I had this weird like itch or tickle in my pants and I just stood up and put my hand down my pants and they're like looking at me like what what's wrong with you woman um and I pulled out a diamond it was in my pants for about eight hours. Uh, it's just so, so that's been a really fun thing. And most recently, um, I should, I want to show you the picture, but I'll just explain it. I was just going through some things and I found this ring and it's just, you know, costume jewelry, but it's this big giant diamond. And I'm not even really thinking about my daughter. So I just kind of dismiss it. Two days after that, I was going through some photos and I found a photo of her when she was about 10 years old with that diamond ring and I just like put the two together I'm like oh thanks honey it was just there you are such a cool little reminder and it happens all the time so it's it's been a fun which is thing to do someone had said that the purpose of our life here is to experience freedom expansion and joy and that's it I mean if you can just narrow it down to three things Freedom, expansion, and joy. Everything can fall into that. I mean, whatever you do for work or relationship or whatever. But to find ways to experience freedom has everything to do with us and our mindset and what we choose to focus on. 
And even if you do find yourself in a position where you don't feel you're 100% free, you're still always free to choose how you feel and you're free to choose what you focus on and free to be open to new ideas Mm -hmm. because they're always coming. You just have to be open to them. And when that happens, then that allows us to expand as humans and that expansion is what causes joy. So rather than running around looking for joy, oh, I need to be happy. If you just allow for that freedom to bring on the expansion, then you'll experience joy just because that's what happens. And I think that the kids, that's a way we've been living for a long time. And I think that they embody that and they're constantly trying new things and just pushing their limits. And sometimes so much that, oh my my God. I mean, Hunter especially, he does some crazy things, but it's just amazing to see when you allow yourself to do and, and to not be afraid to just go out and experience life. It's amazing to see what you're capable of doing. And they're constantly amazing me. I mean, just awesome people. I'm really lucky to have them in my life. I think that most of us are just used to being kind of surface, you know, and we do that on purpose. We'll do all kinds of things to distract us, to keep us busy, to not have to think or feel too much. And when something that is truly disturbing that causes grief in your life, um, it, the challenging part is to just be with it, to sit with it, to feel it because it's, it feels like you're going to die. I mean, it's like that feeling is just so hard to deal with. And um, I kind of relate it to, being trapped in quicksand. So if you get into quicksand and you start struggling with it, you're going to sink really fast and you can just be under that sand and you can't even breathe. But the best way to handle quicksand, obviously, is to stop. (laughs) Raise your arms up. (laughs) Take a deep breath. You can reach for something, but when you move, you have to move slow and deliberate. So the same with grieving. When you move, you do it slow and deliberate. There's no pressure. There's no judgment. Grieving happens to every person in their own way. And and it's okay to feel not okay. It's okay to feel shitty. It happens. You know, we can look outside right now and we can see the clouds moving. We can see the trees growing slowly but then we also know that grass grows very fast we know that little ants move very quickly we know that there's things in life that take longer yeah and there's things in life that go by really fast and so hearing you talk about that grieving process and knowing and giving yourself the space to understand that some of it's going to feel like it is fast Mm -hmm. and some of it's going to feel like it's very long But being okay with that, as long as there's that forward progress, instead of staying stuck in that quicksand. Yeah, because stuck doesn't feel good. No, not in any aspect. Suffocating. Suffocating. What is something new that you have taken on into your life over the last few years? Did you fly helicopters before? So I did. This is kind of fun. Um, I was a commercial pilot in 2008. But in the world of aviation, it is so demanding and just requires all of my attention, focus, time. Um, At that time, my kids were still young. And so I knew that I couldn't really do anything with it as a career because being a mom was the most important part of my life at that point. And I wanted to raise my kids. 
So I chose to just put it on the back burner for a few years. And um, then when I finally decided to divorce my husband and all my children were grown, I needed a career. So I thought, well, this is a cool thing to do. And I decided to pull it off the back burner and then start working on it again. And so over the last year, I went through um, an instrument rating, which was uh, ridiculous because helicopters don't fly in clouds. Like I know you think we can, but we don't usually. Um, it's just they're really unstable. And so we're not like planes. We don't just go flying through storms. We avoid the storms. So instrument rating would mean that I'm flying blind. In a helicopter, it's really challenging to do. I did it, I had these bobbles on and I had to be able to fly with only reference to just the instruments. I couldn't see anything outside of me. And um, it was really challenging to get through that, but I was able to make it through, <laughs> it was pretty awesome. So then the next phase was um, what I'm working on now, which is becoming an instructor. And it's not so much that I really want to go out and teach people how to fly, but it's just another stepping stone. It's a way that I can build hours because the hours are really super expensive. Mm -hmm. And in order to fly professionally, you have to have, you know, a huge amount of hours, like 1,200. I don't have that many hours. <laughs> so, so I said I decided to take on being an instructor. And um, I'm really grateful that I did because I've learned so much and uh, I can teach you how to fly. <laughs> so I did just take one of my tests, um, one of the, the FAA written exam, and I got 94% on it. Nice. That's not just that. passing, that's like... Well, I was a little bummed because it wasn't 100, but <laughs> <laughs> 94 is okay. It is. Well, and it's a beautiful part of how your mind is built because you are, you're an artist in so many different ways, you know, with movement, with writing, you're an artist. And then I feel like even though flying is an art form, it is very mechanical. It's very numbers. It's, it it's a totally other part of your brain, right? It is. It yeah. is. Um, I actually did one of those tests to see like what side, uh, which hemisphere I use more. Yeah. It was right in the middle. I'm so sure. it works out good, which is a good sense. thing. Um, I think that I really do love the flying because it is so challenging because I don't really think that way. I don't think in a linear fashion. I'm not mathematical. I'm not, <laughs> what are some of the words? Like I don't, I just don't really function that way. I do function more like an artist. I mean, if you look at my writing, I write in different directions. Um, I, I like pictures and, and lots of, um, just variety. So when it comes to something like this, it is really making me focus and develop a whole nother part of myself that I am not really that excited about. But at the end of it all, I get to fly and it's really cool. So it's, it's actually a good thing. But when you complete something that's challenging, it feels even better. Definitely. Than if it was easy. Definitely. You know, if, you, yeah. if, if it's too easy, you're like, okay, well, anybody could do that. But you're... Um, what what are you working on during this time that makes you feel like this quarantine time is worth a little bit of that squeeze? Well, um, I did listen to one of your podcasts and you had talked about creating um, some kind of a, a ritual or something, not, not a necessarily a ritual, but um, something that you can rely on, you know, a daily practice. Um, and for me, it just is that I wake up almost every single day at the same time, and I don't even try to, it just happens. I 
quietly work my way to my journal and a cup of coffee and I'll write down my dreams because they are all <laughs> always crazy <and laughs> vibrant but only in that first few seconds I have to capture them so I'll write down my dreams and then I'll just sit quietly and spend time either just sitting and I would say meditating but it's not a, like a traditional meditation I'm just sitting and listening and absorbing and then I write and for whatever reason that has kind of given me a little bit of a structure that I can count on that has uh, it's just going to be there it's going to be there tomorrow and the next day and the next day and I, I really look forward to my mornings and they're not very long maybe 45 minutes or so but um, it's just something that I always make sure I give myself time to do before I do anything else and then the other part is um, exercise. I do, I love to work out um, and I'm not like a crazy exercise fiend, but um, I just feel like moving my body helps me feel better no matter what. I mean, changes my chemicals, keeps me like balanced. Um, it keeps my physical form in a state where I can do the fun things that I love to do. And that's when I am my happiest is when I can perform well. And so, you know, performing on the silks or being able to go on a nice long hike and not kill myself or swim or paddleboard or whatever I do. Um, but so working out has been something I look forward to doing every day. And if I have kind of a, a little bit of a regimen, but not too strict, but I definitely do something every day. And even on my rest days, maybe it's not like a strong workout. I'll just go for a nice hike or something. But what I did recently do is I love the cello and I have a cello and I've practiced it and played a little bit, but I haven't played in years. It's just been sitting in my, in its case in the corner. And it's because I live in this little tiny place and I don't want to, and I'll crank out these weird tunes and have these people hear me. So I created a space in my closet and now I can close the door and practice my cello and it sounds horrible but I love it. And it's just like, I know I'm retraining my fingers and retraining my brain to read the notes. I can't tell you what the notes are, but I know how they work on my fingers. And so I've been playing with the cello. That's cool. Yeah. I love, I have this vision of you in the closet. From the closet cellist. <laughs> yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. I can also see this burlesque performance with the cello. Ooh, naked. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah, it will cover my whole body. All you would see is legs and arms. <laughs> That's a great I would love to see that. That would be really, really neat. Yeah. Make <laughs> a cello. I think that's cool. So you've watched some of the podcasts, you've listened to them, and you understand the idea of worth the squeeze. And I've mentioned before that some things you barely need to squeeze, and it's just so juicy with abundance and positivity and a good relationship or a good outcome. And then there's other things that you literally you don't even try because you know it's just rotten, rotten citrus. Yes. Are there things in your life that you could look back on that you know were worth it? You can be very specific if you want or general. What's what's been worth the squeeze for you and maybe what hasn't been and how you know how to toss it. Okay. So basically how I like to look at life is from the end perspective. Um so there are things that are going to be just super easy. 
And I mean, our relationship is super easy. Friendships, um, the CrossFit, the working out, uh, the playtime, all of that stuff is definitely worth it. And it's something I like to cultivate and keep in my life because it is so juicy and wonderful. But there are times when it isn't as easy. And maybe it's just because my knife is dull. I don't know. Um, but whatever that is, then I try and take that instance, whatever it is, and look at it from the end perspective. So in the case of flying, it has not been easy. It's been a huge challenge. It's really expensive. It's very time consuming. And there are so many times where I'll find myself in the middle of something and I am just boggled. And I, I question why am I doing this? But then I look at it from the end perspective and I see myself flying my friends around. I see this really cool helicopter. I have this feeling of accomplishment. I see my kids and I mean, they love to tell people I'm a helicopter pilot. I mean, that kind of thing, right? So I, I feel what it feels like from the end perspective and then it's worth the continued squeeze. Like it's worth working on because I know this is ultimately something I really do want, even though it's hard and challenging in the moment. If I just stick with it, it's going to pay off in the end. Yeah. So that is one way to look at it. But there are times when you're just beating your head against a wall. And it's like you said, like the dry lemon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> There's just nothing there. Um, and I think that those are very helpful moments as well, because it's so important to learn what you don't like as much as it is important to learn about what you do like. Because when you find the things that you don't like, you can discern a little bit and maybe guide yourself in a way where you don't necessarily pay so much attention to those things, to those rotten lemons, and let them go, lighten the load. So the same thing when you're in the quicksand, you have to let go of a lot of things and really focus on the ones that will give you the juice. And so, I think that in, in my world, it's just made so much sense to let go of things. I like that perspective, being able to look at the end, the end of it mm -hmm. and know that even when things in life do come easy, it's usually not the end of it, right? Mm -hmm. It might start easy, like a relationship or whatever, but there will be times throughout that relationship where you are going to have to cultivate it or squeeze a little bit harder because it's not flowing naturally mm -hmm. or whatever, but being able to look at that end result and trust that that's all going to be worth it. Definitely. That the end place is what this hard work is all about. Yeah. Got to have a little perspective. Definitely. Yeah. I like that. We a little bit talked about this, but how do you ground yourself? Water. Mm -hmm. I love water. I probably take five showers a day. <laughs> I love water. If I had a hot tub, I'd be sitting in it yeah. or the hot springs, which yeah. I can't do right now. Um, but I find myself just sitting in water. I mean, I even love doing dishes and touching the water, just water. Is there any tool or advice that you could give to others who are really suffering during this time? So we've, we have talked about how grief and sorrow come into play. We've also talked though about the fact of being in Pagosa during COVID is, is a wonderful gift. We're able to slow down. We're able to go outside. We're not stuck mm -hmm. in a 600 foot 
apartment building or apartment right you know stuck 30,000 people exactly (laughs) so if there was anybody listening right now who's just struggling with loneliness or disconnect what would be the biggest tool that you would give them well I think um what I've learned because I have been alone a lot and obviously the things that I've gone through have I've found myself very alone um it is a really amazing opportunity to get to know who you are as a person and to be kind to yourself first of all and then to develop a loving appreciation for yourself. And for the longest time, I had this weird feeling around self-love because I felt like, oh, it's selfish and there's something bad about that. But we can really only give the love that we already have for ourselves. So if you ever want that beautiful relationship, you have to have that love for you first. And by taking this time, and not being judgmental about who you are or what you're doing or the lack or, you know, not being able to, I don't know, go to parties or bars or whatever you do or visit people, but to just take this time and really just be with yourself. Now, this might sound kind of weird. I have to tell you this story, though, but this is um, something that happened a while ago. Um, when I was a young mother of four babies, I was very mean to myself and um, because I just had all these babies and my body had changed and it was weird. And I remember looking in the mirror and I would just criticize everything about me. And one day something just changed and I decided that I was being so mean to myself and I'm not that mean to anybody. And so why would I be saying these negative things to myself? And so I decided to do the exact opposite. I'm like, I have to change this. So I'm going to do the exact opposite for a while. I'm going to see how it feels and what happens. And I looked in the mirror, stripped down, and just went over every part of my body and said, thank you. I mean, God, I have hands and I have arms and all of this whole entire body, regardless of what it looked like in that moment, I just decided to stop hating and start loving. And it was the beginning, and I actually even took it one step further, and I made a little bath with my candles, and I laid in the water, water in my water, and I just said thank you to this form that I'm in. And from that point, I have had this really interesting, um, fantastic relationship with my body where I'm not so hard on it. I'm not so judgmental on it doesn't matter what I weigh. It doesn't matter what's happening. I just am constantly looking at it and thanking it for being here. I mean, it sounds weird, but I just think that that hit, that was the beginning of my understanding of self-love. And now I wake up in the morning and I'm like, yes, I'm in this awesome body and I can do so many cool things. But I think that taking the time to really just create a connection and a relationship with ourselves, with me, I mean, that has been such an awesome gift. And if anyone, I mean, right now we've got the time, you might as well do it. (laughs) Take a moment and look in the mirror and look in your eyes. I mean, you can't see your own eyes. You have to look in a mirror, but, and then just absorb it, just be with it and, and have that sense of gratitude and appreciation and be amazed. Your body will do such some really cool things when you start to love it. 
I mean, it'll stay healthy for you. It'll stay fit for you. It'll actually become flexible. It does all these cool things, but you have to love it first. Uh, I, uh, it's, it's the best gift. It's the greatest gift we can give to ourselves. It's just about self-love. For sure. I love that. Sweet. That's really That's good. Right, that's I'm going to steal that. <laughs> okay. Thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. You have been um, such an important part of my time here in Pagosa, you and your family. Mm-hmm. And just your kids have been such an awesome effect on, on me and how I want to parent. And so thank you for spending time with me today. Oh, thanks for having me. I love you. I love you. <laughs>